This is episode 80 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 10 Ways to Find Simplicity on the Homestead, Letters from Venezuela, This is What Life is Really Like in a Post-Collapse Society, and Raw, Protecting Your Family When the Bad Guys Come Down Your Street, Part 1. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, yesterday uh, when I was doing my final edits and uploading, uh, I, I don't know how I didn't catch it before, but uh, when I finished uploading and I do, did my final check before I pressed submit, uh, I realized um, I was saying episode 78. So I realized that was episode 79. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a reason for that. It was uh, it was a late evening. Um, so uh, in in today's a late evening as well. Yesterday we went over to my parents' house to spend a little bit of time with my dad. Um, he had surgery today, and so he had a triple bypass. So they were at the hospital like at five uh, five fifteen in the morning. Uh, we got there. You know, the, he went into surgery. You know, pretty early. Around 8:15, 8:30, uh, you know, got out. By the time we left, by the time I left, uh, he, uh, you know, he was his eyes were open. He was talking. Um, he, you know, eating a little bit of ice chips. Um, we were joking and laughing and, and all that. You know, thanking the good Lord. Uh, we did a a lot of prayer. Uh, you know, we we definitely thank God for medical science and uh, doctors and nurses and all that good stuff. And medicine, but uh, we know that uh, the Lord is the one who has our our lives in His hands, and so a lot of prayers went forward there. Uh, so it was a late night last night, and this is actually this is even a later night uh, while I'm sitting here doing this, uh, getting ready for uh, the podcast and putting it out there. But he starts to get you know you start to think about all the the uh, the advantages that we have in our society today and how blessed we are. Uh, to do something like that, you know, I was talking to Dad. I'm like, "Hey, when did you, you know, like when did you knock out?" And he said, "You know, he was in the operating room." Uh, I had made a mention that he, you know, there were so many screens in ICU, uh, and he'll be in there for two days. I mean, he still has uh, two tubes uh, in his, uh, you know, coming out of his chest. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just mentioned to him, "Man, you got a lot of monitors here. You get, you know, you got like five or six screens." And he said there were even more in the operating room. It was like a, uh, it was just, it was, it was so modern looking. There was like 15, 15 monitors all over the place. There was wires all over the place. And, uh, but yeah, he goes, I even put myself on the operating table. And then, uh, you know, from there, the anesthesiologist takes over and, uh, you know, knocks you out. But, uh, yeah, he goes, yeah, I, I was able to look around that operating room. It was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but uh, you, you, again, you start to think about how blessed you are, and then you know what life would be like if there was a collapse situation, if there was an SHTS situation, uh, simple things like that. I mean, we have modern miracles where uh, uh, you know where we do where we're able to do these things and, and go in and bypass arteries and things like that. He actually had a little miracle before uh, before the, the doctor said, you know, by all accounts, you should have already had a heart attack. But, uh, you know, you have a strong heart. There's no damage. Um, the heart had actually kind of bypassed itself. 
So I uh, had kind of made a bypass, and so that's that's a miracle in itself. The doctor said he had really never seen anything anything like that uh, before. But you know, uh, Tuesday he'd gone in just for. Uh, they were going to do like an angioplast or to see if they could do an angioplast. And they they realized that uh, there was a little bit more blockage than they thought. And so they had to go ahead and, and, and go in. So he's going to have some recovery time, but uh, he's strong. He's going to go ahead and take care of that. While we were sitting there, you know, I, I, I totally realized that I could be having uh, a, a totally different conversation with you. To, I probably wouldn't even be having a conversation. I just wouldn't have done a podcast tonight. Uh, it, you know, but I, I could definitely be having a whole totally different conversation with you. Um, that's how, you know, life and death just, it just seems to happen, happen. And I would be having my own and my mom would be having, having her own and, you know, our family would be having our own SHTF situation. Uh, while we were there, there was a family who, um, you know, who did experience a loss. I mean, I don't know the specifics, but I know it was an older man. Uh, you know, he was, he was crying and, uh, it's, I, I guess it was his sons who were surrounding him and, uh, they had gone into a little private room, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, somebody lost their life today. And, uh, so that's, that's something to always think about how precious life is and what you have. And, um, man, so anyway, do, you can kind of do a whole podcast on that and, uh, don't want to, you know, prolong too much on that. Just, uh, and be grateful for what we have and the time that we have. And uh, the things that we can do, we just don't want to just you know mess that around and 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 not really um, make our lives count. So uh, okay, uh, I do want to mention the, the prepper bundle. Uh, it's still going on. It only it's only going to be going on for like four more days. Uh, you know the countdown uh, is on. So four more days and then it's off. Um, for uh, I think I, I I shared that last time. You know for twenty nine ninety seven, there's twenty seven ebooks. On a whole wide range of preparedness topics, there's three e-courses and videos, uh, and uh, you also get some bonus offers, uh, you know, attached onto that. So uh, for 29.97, you can have your, you know, a nice little preparedness library uh, downloaded down, you know, into a flash drive or you know wherever you want that. Um, one thing that I think is pretty cool about the preparedness bundle is that every Every bundle that's sold, one dollar goes to the Sinise Foundation, so they they do donate to veterans, uh, and so uh, one dollar goes this this time around this bundle. Uh, they've picked the, the 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 Gary Sinise Foundation, and so uh, they send send it off that way. So uh, that's a good support, knowing that you, you know you're getting the the e bundle, but you know a little bit is going towards that. Uh, so you know a little blessing there. So I will be linking to that. Uh, you know, I am an affiliate for that. I also have a, a little ebook in there as well, uh, in the prepper bundle. But I will be linking to that on episode 80, and definitely again putting it on prepper website uh, later on this weekend. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I do have some some really good articles uh, for you today. This one, our first one, comes to us from CountryAcresHomestead.com, and um, so. Uh, this article is entitled 10 Ways to Find Simplicity on the Homestead. And so it's not just homestead related, it's uh, really organizational related as well. And things that you can implement into your life, uh, even if you're not on a homestead, but you know, just you know, whatever, whatever you're preparing out there, want to be self-reliant, uh, things that will be definitely helpful. All right, so let's go ahead and get started on this one. 
It's pretty ironic. We moved to the homestead so we could live the simple life, and I have to tell you it's been anything but simple. We've been dodging roadblocks and jumping hurdles from the very first day we moved in. From living without full electricity and no running water to finding we just don't have the financial means to do all the things we planned on doing in our first few months here. Our days are crazy long and sometimes ridiculously disorganized. It would be very easy for us to throw our hands in the air and say that's it. Homestead wins. We give up. But Homesteader Hubby and I have never given up very easily and when we work together as a team, we don't usually end up needing to give up. The struggle is real, folks. There are many days that I do throw my hands up in the air and say I'm going to quit, but my family knows that I don't mean it. I tend to say those things out of frustration, but once I collect myself and pull my big girl panties up, we get back to business and we work it out. I'm learning, though, that it isn't the homestead that is making my life so difficult, but instead it's my way of organizing or not organizing my time here on the homestead. So, I've started working on these 10 ways to help my whole family find the simplicity we are looking for here on the homestead. First one would be, don't wait until tomorrow. I'm a procrastinator. I tend to put everything off until the last minute, and then I find myself overwhelmed, stressed out, frustrated, and drained. It's not pretty for anyone. Every evening after dinner is over, I do a few things to get me started on the next day's work. This helps me to stay on top of things, and I've noticed that my mornings are running smoother, and because my mornings run smoother, so does the rest of my day. So defrost tomorrow's dinner. Check to make sure that any kiddos that were given responsibilities did those responsibilities. Look over that day's to-do list and any items that weren't checked off. See if they can be done quick or can they be carried over to the following day's list. I've learned not to leave these things behind or they won't ever get done. And create tomorrow's to-do list. Hey, I just want to, uh, that, that's a strategy that's so important. Even as a teacher, uh, I noticed early on when I took time to set up my week as far as my lesson plans and, um, you know, kind of set out my worksheets that I was going to be using and my activities and my materials and have those all, you know, laid out on my counter ready to go that uh, my my days just went so much smoother. I was able to come in and uh, get my day, you know, focus, uh, greet the students as they came, you know, came into the classroom and, and get going as opposed to running around trying to find everything I needed. So that's definitely a strategy that you uh, can put into place, uh, you know, every single evening as things start to wind down, start looking towards the next day. All right, uh, moving on. Get my tushy out of bed. Who knew the day would come when sleeping until 8 a.m. would be considered sleeping in? Believe me, I'd much rather stay snuggled in bed spooning with homestead, homestead or hubby, but if I do that too often, I won't get any work done. And as much as I love to spoon with the homesteader, I re also really love my quiet mornings. If I get up a few hours before everyone else, I have the time to sit in quiet prayer with the Lord, look over, and get started on my daily to-do list and work on my business without interruption quiet time is a rare commodity in a home with six children and I've learned I need to grab it when I can. Create our monthly meal plan. We have a master meal list. This includes all the meals our family enjoys for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The first Monday of every month I sit down and plan out our meals for the entire month. This has helped me tremendously in so many different ways. 
No longer do I stand in front of my freezer scratching my head over what we're going to have for dinner. I don't forget that I'm supposed to actually make all those healthy meals I want my family to eat. It helps me to keep inventory of what is in our freezer, refrigerator, and pantry. I'm also able to save money because I create my meal plans by what we purchased at the store that was on sale. I'm not rushing out to buy pizza because I forgot to get dinner out of, out of the freezer. We aren't blowing through boxes of cereal anymore, and every night, regardless of how busy our day was, and even if it's eggs for dinner, we're sitting at the table together as a family celebrating our day. Each day has its own work. I was first introduced to this concept when I was homeschooling Homesteader Girl. We had done a unit study on Little House in the Big Woods. I had loved Little House on the Prairie when I was growing up. I still do. And I wanted to teach my oldest daughter what life had been like in the good old days. Ma Ingalls had work, had work assigned to each day of the week, as I imagined most moms did back then. I decided to give it a try, and it really has simplified my life. Monday. Laundry, office work, this is the day I create my meal plans, schedules, pay bills, etc. Tuesday, kitchen, dining room, living room, bathroom, kids do the dining rooms and the living room. Wednesday, baking, prep work for meals, etc. Thursday, focus on my business day. And Friday, catch up day. Plan out the week. Oh boy, does this make my week slide by just a little easier. The homesteader and I sit down each Sunday evening and go over the big projects he'd like to tackle throughout the week. By me knowing what he may need my help with, or if he'll be away from the homestead for more than just a few hours, I can plan the easy meals for those crazy long days. I also know if I need to rearrange my work schedule so we can get those bigger projects taken care of quicker. Keeping my home straightened throughout the week. My mom always told me that cleaning a clean home is quicker and easier, and she was absolutely correct. It's not always the easiest goal to accomplish, but I'm a real stickler about everyone pitching in and doing their part around here. If my kiddos make a mess, they are expected to clean up after themselves. I have no problem serving my family as the Lord has called me to do, but I also expect that my family pitch in and pull their own weight. It is so much easier to package up meat for the freezer if I don't have to declutter the counter first. Our family is a team. Everyone in our home has their own responsibilities, but we do tackle many of our tasks together. If it's our big cleaning day, then everyone pitches in to dust, sweep, vacuum, etc. Each person knows who is responsible for the kitty litter, brooder, feeding the animals, etc., if the homesteader needs help finishing up the chicken tractor, building the well house, or any other big projects he's working on, we pitch in and help. I may only offer moral support and suggestions, but I'm still helping. Ahem. Getting organized. Hands down, this is the one area that helped me simplify things the most. Everything in our home has its place. No one has to dig for cooking utensils or wander around aimlessly looking for their car keys. Before we moved here, we decluttered and minimized everything down to what we absolutely needed. So organization should have been pretty easy for us. I put it off for a long time and things got a little out of control. Delegate task and responsibility to kiddos. When I'm feeling overwhelmed and bogged down, it's typical because I'm taking on way more than what the Lord expects of me. There is a lot of work that needs to be done on the homestead and there is no way that one single person could be expected to do it all. There are many days when we get busy working on a bigger project outside and the inside gets pushed until later in the day or even to another day completely. 
When that happens, I've learned that my little people can tend to the dishes and regular cleanup, and my oldest daughter can tend to dinner. Take a day to rest. God, God gave us a day of rest for a reason. He knows that our bodies and souls get weary and tired, and He has provided us time to slow down and take a breather. For me, that is usually on a Sunday, but the Lord has a way of sneaking in times of rest during the day as well. Today was an example of that. Hubby knew I had a lot on my plate today, and he could see I was getting overwhelmed. When I was presented with the opportunity to go for a walk with him, I took it. Those ten minutes away from the house and the work that needed to be done here made my heart just a little more calm. Enjoy the simple pleasures that we are blessed with. Sometimes I really fail in this area because I get stressed out about all the work I should be doing, but God is working on my heart. He is reminding me of why we moved here in the first place. One thing I really looked forward to when, my, when moving to the homestead was being able to sit on the front porch with homesteader hubby and just relax. I haven't enjoyed this nearly as much as I would like, but it is on the top of my to-do list right now. The Lord has blessed me with the simple pleasures of sitting with my family each night for dinner, the pleasure of watching my children run freely on the homestead, to just sit and read about some topic that has striked my interest, and I'm going to embrace every second of those simple moments in my life. So a lot of good, uh, you know, good advice here. Uh, I love the idea of the, the planning, the meal plan for the month. Uh, when my wife and I ran a group home for kids in CPS custody, we did that for about 11 and a half years. Uh, we ran a therapeutic uh, re- residential treatment model, a therapeutic foster group home. And uh, we did that for about 11 and a half years before I got into education. And we did that. We planned out a whole month. And, you know, we went to the grocery store and we had that. So we weren't always, we didn't always stick to that day. We moved things around, but we had everything, uh, you know, that we were, we would need for that month, you know, in the house. And so that was so, so important uh, to be able to do that. But a lot of other things, you know, making sure that everything has a place, uh, uh, you know, everything, everything is just simplified and being able to handle that. I like the idea of certain days mean certain things. Uh, you know, that this is going to be the day where I pay my bills. This is going to be the day where, you know, I clean this part of the house. This is going to be a day when I do this. I uh, really like that. So a lot of good advice there. Hopefully uh, you can go check out this article at countryacreshomestead.com and uh, go read a little bit about uh, what they're doing over there And because uh, there's a lot of articles over there that you can go check out. All right, it's good stuff. All right, let's go in, I, I believe, too. Um, there's just there's just a lot of links, a lot of links over on the right hand side um, articles. I've been I've been wanting to do that with Ed that matters. I just haven't done that. Uh, but you know articles on the right hand side and then links in in the middle. Like even if you wanted to make your own pizza, when she was talking about pizza, she's got a link for that. So go check that out. All right, our next article comes to us for, from uh, the organic prepper Daisy over there. Um, has a really cool article. Somebody from uh, somebody that she knows, or an acquaintance, and maybe it was on Facebook, uh, or you know so, some other way, uh, maybe a reader to her uh, website uh, sent her a letter from Venezuela about what she's experiencing. She's a young mom, and uh, what life is really like in Venezuela right now. And so, kind of eye-opening uh, of, of what is actually happening over there. So this, again, organicprepper.ca. 
the theorganicprepper.ca and uh, CA stands for Canada if you're not familiar with that. Uh, again, the article is Letters from Venezuela. This is what life is really like in a post-collapse society. Um, Daisy does uh, say, you know, this this uh, letter that was written, uh, the person's uh, first language is, is you know, is going to be Spanish. And so uh, she, I think she does a good job for uh, for English as a second language writing the letter, but there are some grammatical mistakes and things like that, and and uh, some uh, verb verbiage uh, that's not uh, you know that doesn't line up. So uh, I'll try my best to kind of fix that, but some of it's just going to come through. All right, let's get started on this one. If you've ever wondered what life was really like in a post-collapse society, look no further than Venezuela. Today, I'd like to share a first-hand report of everyday life there. The country has been on the way down since the socialist government destroyed the economy. Here's a quick timeline. Private ownership of guns was banned in 2012. Then things began to go downhill in a hurry. In 2013, preppers were relabeled hoarders and the act of stocking up became illegal. In 2014, the government instituted a fingerprint registry for those who wished to buy food to ensure they didn't take more than their share. In 2015, things began to devolve more quickly as electricity began to be rationed and farmers were forced to turn over their harvest to the government. 2016 brought the announcement that folks were on their own. There was simply not enough food. As well, despite the rationing, an electricity shortage was announced. 2016 also brought the news that the country was out of everything, food, medicine, and nearly all basic necessities. People were dying of starvation and malnourishment made other illnesses even worse. Hyperinflation brought exorbitant prices like $150 for a dozen eggs. Now, civil war is near, if not already happening. They're calling it quote-unquote protest, but violence between the people and the government is ongoing. This rage is stoked by wealthy Venezuelans who enjoy luxurious meals, fabulous parties, and lush accommodations while the rest of the country struggles to find a bag of rice they can afford. Let them eat cake. It appears there is no end in sight to the tribulations of the Venezuelans. So what is day-to-day life like for the average Venezuelan? A reader from Venezuela took the time to comment and tell us what life is really like there. You can find her story below. I've edited for spacing to make them easier to read, but please keep in mind that English is a second language. Alright, so let's go ahead and start reading this one. Daisy, thank you so much for this content. I'm a Venezuelan mom of a one-year-old baby, and we are living a war here. You can't go outside to buy food or supplies or medication because each activity is a high risk and more with a baby. So I stay home as much as I can. There are a lot of people outside trying to live normally, trying to go to work and buy food and continue their lives. But when you are working or whatever thing you're doing, you don't know if you will be able to come back home safe. People continue to work to get whatever miserable pay to buy some food. Everything is so expensive. Perhaps the beans and rice are affordable but still not cheap and it's so hard to find food. Options are limited because of the price. You can only buy one item or two of pasta. Rice, like I say, uh, the less expensive food. You And you have to wait in long lines at your own risk because there are a lot of fights in the store. Imagine tones... Tons of people wanting to buy the same product. This has to 
This has been being worse since perhaps about five years now because of scarcity. Malls and big stores are basically alone because there are places where collectivos used to attack with bombs and there is a group of about 40 men in motorcycles that have been creating chaos in the whole city. Every day they take the city, every day, they, okay, the city, they have plenty of arms and they just go through the city shooting buildings, houses, stealing stores, people on the streets, batteries of, of cars, everything they want. This situation is far worse than we ever imagined. They kill people every day and they are uh, paid mercenaries from the government because no one does nothing. Um, the government people is also killing innocents, kids, teenagers, youth. We are panicking. We bought a land three years ago. I got pregnant and we decided to wait. The land is a safe zone but is five hours from here. It is a very small town, 11,000 people. Uh, I live in a city with about 3 million people. At least for now, the towns are peaceful, but there isn't electricity, and there isn't an asphalt road, so this doesn't sound lovely for thieves that are now looking for bigger fish to, fish to catch. According to our neighbors, the town is in calm. Nothing has happened. We need to go as soon as possible. I am scared because what you say is also true. But in the city, there are no options. And just let me stop there. What uh, Daisy is referring to is she's referring to um, information that uh, Selco and um, uh, Fernando Aguirre have mentioned about during the collapses that people out in the country, uh, you know, there were raped. There was nobody there to uh, to be able to to help. You know, if you owned your farm or whatever, it was just you and your family, and so it was easy for people to come and do harm to you, kill you, steal whatever, and uh, rape and uh, take all your stuff. Uh, so what Fernando and uh, Selco. Uh, what what they espouse is that being in a city with people, uh, you know, you have a little bit better uh, opportunities to protect each other and to, you know, band together. So uh, when she says that, she's referring to that because Daisy's recently uh, wrote, a, wrote an article on that, has talked about that a couple of times. Um, actually, she's written a couple of articles on that. So, um, again, I'm scared because of what you say is also true. But in the city, there are, there are no options, at least not now. What do you think we should do? I really appreciate what you recommend. I'm sorry for my bad English. I'm trying to write this while playing with my baby. Venezuelan houses are already bunkers. This has been like this ever since I can remember. Perhaps 20 years. Every regular house is made like bunker. Bunkers, pure concrete from the bottom to the walls to everything. Every house has also two to three security doors, really big and heavy ones. And on top of that, we have fences and electric fences on top of big gates. And trust me, is not enough to be safe. The army has damaged gates and has entry to different houses looking for students or rebels and also innocents. People has died because they were sadly in the middle of this event. I don't doubt that country land might have problems too, but so far cities are just pure anarchy and madness. There are several groups creating chaos. The army, the mercenaries, the thieves and the rebels that want to kill chavismos and politicians or, or politics and whatever on their way. Uh, a few days they put a bomb into a propane gas distribu distribu 
distribution cargo and it blew away and this is being affecting every single thing again guys i apologize for the way it's reading i'm trying to self-correct but it's uh it's uh still hard uh they still cargo transporting food or gas and even fuel so there's no much uh there's no much to do now communities in the city are not organized since they really need to find food and basic resources so each individual is waiting in long lines to buy bread or medicine or whatever they need and people don't want to organize they don't see this could go like this for years i assume that we got used to live in some sort of chaos and violence that's pretty sad when things have just you know you've gotten used to this is the way it is right uh, but the truth is more people is praying and just wishing this will pass soon, that this will pass as the moment a new president arrives. And what if it doesn't? Let's be clear that we have so many resources and that we have so many resources and Canada and USA are pulling all of the gold and all minerals now. So no country really matters uh, what we are suffering as long as they can get their way. We really feel hopeless. So uh, I, I guess um, the common the common idea of the U.S. Uh, over there, and it's probably more coming from the government, is that you know the uh, the United States is all they're doing is just you know harming. All they want is to suck their resources out, which really it's the the rich people over there sucking the resources out and allowing people to just kind of kill themselves. What's sad is that there shouldn't be you know Venezuela is a tropical. Uh, area there should be no lack of food i mean every you know every home uh, should be growing uh you know something and uh, being able to, to to grow some kind of vegetables and crops and fruit and stuff all right so uh daisy responds a little bit here to her dear ally thank thank you for sharing your story here's my advice if you can safely get out of the city the time to do it is now when i said i was moving from the country into town the move was not to a major city with millions of people, but a much smaller one. I went from living a mile from my neighbors to a suburban neighborhood where we chat over the fence and share fresh vegetables and barbecues. In a small town like you described, you will have neighbors, hopefully some unity, and be able to be more self-reliant without as much risk as the place where you live now. Being on your own with a small child in a situation like this is hard and dangerous. Try to make friends so that you have some support. If you have extended family, consider that relocating to them might be another option. The journey will be difficult, but I sincerely hope that you will be able to get there with your baby and find some peace and safety. Please know that you and your child will be in many hearts and prayers after this. Keep us posted if you can. Love, Daisy. So there's uh, there's quite a bit of comments here. Um, I didn't count how many there were, but... Uh, I stopped kind of going down. You know, some people are like, you know, uh, the, the the situation in Venezuela has been going on for years. You know, why did you get pregnant? Uh, you know, why not use contraception? Well, you know, some of the first things to go were like diapers and tampons and toilet paper. And so, you know, you're not going to have stuff like contraception over there. Um, yeah, you could, you know, not have sex, but that's not going to happen, right? Uh, you have... Uh, you know, people over there and you have no hope and you have no, uh, and somewhat someone does, uh, I was glad because when I read that comment, I was like, man, what, what, 
who would say that? Come on, you're not thinking. Uh, but somebody did uh, respond to it. But you know, w- when you're when you're like that, there's nothing else to do. Um, you know, you're not going out, spending a lot of time outside, and those kinds of things. Uh, you know, you you're going to spend you know time with each other, and things are going to you know lead from one thing to another, and and you know uh, just you're not careful, and you get pregnant, and so that's that's kind of where where you're at, uh, and so a lot of things to consider here uh, when when things are going on. Um, Definitely, you know, even if you if, if if you think about this situation, right? I mean, it's been going on like five years. She said, um, even if you did prepare, even if you had food storage, you had food storage for six months, you had six food storage for a year. You know, let's just say you were like one of those very rare preppers that has you know two years of food storage or even five years of food storage. Uh, you, you know, you're you've gone through all that. And so, uh, you know, you're you're going to be in the same situation as everybody else. And so what would you do at that point? That's why, uh, you know, we always talk about that, um, you know, whatever you have eventually is going to run out. That's why you want to have skills. And so I'm wondering, I'm hoping that those people out in the country are, uh, you know, are gardening, are uh, even people that are in the cities, if they have a little plot of land or even if they have some, you know, containers that they're able to garden uh, a little bit and get, you know, get something out of that. Um, I mean, that would be so, so helpful, right? So uh, hopefully that's, uh, that's going on. But uh, it, it's sad to think about that, you know, in, in uh, you know, a modern, modern day society right now that this is kind of stuff is happening. In Venezuela, uh, you know, we, uh, there was a guy that was married to a girl from Venezuela not too long ago um, uh, in the previous church that I pastored. And, uh, you know, we would talk about it. And this was back in the day before things got really, really bad. Uh, her parents were uh, actually educators and had um, retired and had moved to the United States. And they had gone, they would go every so often to withdraw their retirement. But uh, I think uh, for a while, towards the end, I think they were trying to sell uh, their property so that uh, they could just kind of, uh, when they went to go get their retirement, they would, you know, fly in, get their retirement, you know, or get a hotel, whatever, get their retirement and come right back. Um, because just, you know, America was just so much different. And so, I, I mean, I don't know how all that went, uh, how the, all that was going down or whatever, but uh, I, I bet you, you know, that they're not going to Venezuela anymore. Uh, definitely not. Uh, you know, the money is not worth anything. All right, so uh, going from that article to um, one from the Prepper Journal, you know, on Fridays I try to pick an article from uh, the archives. And um, this one kind of caught my attention as I was kind of going through the tag cloud. And uh, it's from August 2013. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, about five, oh, I'm sorry, four years old, um, just under four years old. And the title of it is Raw, or, you know, uh, without rule of law, Protecting Your Family When the Bad Guys Come Down Your Street. This is part one. And uh, this is actually, you know, a lot of the Prepper Journal right now, I mean, he's got a, he's got a contest going on. People are, are submitting uh, articles, you know, that he's posting. This one was written by Pat 
over there, Pat Pat Henry, Patrick Henry, and um, yeah, I'm sure that's that is just a uh, pin name. But uh, this is part one. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link to part two. I really like the things that he says in this one. I think you're going to like it as well. Some good stuff here. And so I'm going to link to part two uh, in the show notes so that you, for, you know, for episode 80. So you can go check that one out. Well, I mean, if even you're going to want to check this one out too. But um, in, so you can go check up part two out and, and all the other ones as well. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get moving on this one. Uh, again, without rule of law, protecting your family when bad guys come down your street, part one. I've been thinking about security a lot lately. I'm not sure why, but this is the latest thing that has been an ever-present thought as I go through my daily activities. I suppose it is a logical extension of prepping after food and water sources are shored up and that your mind would turn to security. I started to analyze our defensive options at our home since we have chosen to shelter in place should any type of disaster scenario happen. This carried me down several paths that I hope to discuss with you, and they all focus around steps you can take to keep your family safe or provide some additional protection in your home if things get really bad. This is the first post in a series about what problems you may be faced with in a raw or without rule of law society. This is a worst case scenario, but I believe that exercising your mind by thinking about issues like this could prepare you better for less catastrophic emergencies. Honestly, I hope to never be in a situation that requires these plans and methods, but I think it is valid to discuss them in terms of preparing your family. Bugging in is not a perfect solution either. To bug in and hunker down or to bug out and take your chances on the road. This is one of the major questions, at least logistically, for preppers, and you will have people on both sides of the issue. Bugging out brings with it an entirely different set of circumstances and must be planned for in different ways. Hunkering down can eliminate one set of problems but presents a whole new set of challenges. Further complicating the issue is that life gets a vote. Just because you make a decision now whenever everything is pretty much normal doesn't necessarily mean that circumstances won't change and cause your plans to need adjusting. In some cases, your carefully laid plans may need to be thrown out altogether. A lot of careful consideration usually goes into the decision to either hunker down or to bug out. I think that in no small part, it comes down to your resources and your common sense when you are asking yourself these questions. First off, the obvious question, do you have a place to go to? If so, bugging out becomes much more realistic. The questions like how will you get there, what to take, and who else will be going with you start to get answered. The pieces begin to fall into place and you can make a plan for dealing with the contingencies as you think of them. For a long trip, you can plan how to load the vehicles, where to refuel, storing caches of supplies along the route, alternative routes, etc. If you have no place to go and there is not an immediate life-threatening situation that is making you leave your home, if you have supplies such as food and water, then why leave? For a lot of people, absent some impending natural disaster, disease, nuclear accident, or chemical spill, staying where they are living currently is going to be the best option. You may have a support structure at your current location or family that prevents you from leaving. 
Even in war-torn cities, people stay behind, and this isn't without precedent historically. Bugging in would seem to me to be a logical choice in a lot of situations unless you have a fully stocked survival retreat within a few hours away or have friends and family to turn to within a relatively short distance. It may be the only choice you have if life steps in again and prevents you from implementing your bug-out plan above. Regardless of whether you choose to bug in as part of your plan to be fully prepared or are focused to stay where you are, you may have to deal with the unpleasant reality that usually rears its ugly head any time there is turmoil or disasters. Humans can on one hand be incredibly loving and also incredibly evil and after a disaster there are usually stories of both. In this article I plan to talk about some steps you can take to protect your family from the latter type if you find yourself bugging in. The spectrum of people who could possibly be threats run the gambit from desperate beggars to organized gangs. Burglary and looting are crimes of opportunity. The opportunity for a burglar is usually an unsuspecting homeowner or a house that is easily broken into. Looting uses the opportunity of a situation in which the perceived enforcement of laws by police has dissolved. In times after time, we see situations like Hurricane Sandy where people were looting the day after the hurricane. Some of, the, some of these people were even dressed like power company workers to fool anyone who saw them poking around houses. You can expect that regardless of where you live, if the crisis is bad enough and prolonged enough, there will be homes near you, maybe yours, that are targets for this segment of society. I think it is reasonable to assume if we routinely see this type of behavior with what is considered a relatively minor weather event, much worse could be expected as the level and intensity of the emergency increases. Right now, even with all the lights on, food and fuel still being shipped to stores, and the welfare and unemployment checks getting delivered, we have women who are gang-raped in Chicago, veterans are beaten to death, and there are attacks and murders in every major city, it seems weekly. Can you imagine how bad this will get if we are plunged into total chaos? Can you foresee how completely dangerous your neighborhood might get if there is no rule of law? Staying in your home and bugging in may be the only option you have, but depending on how serious the, the disaster or crisis that we are going through, that home might have to be your castle and fortress. There are some steps we can take to give you an advantage if this is your Alamo and may keep you alive to see another day. Hopefully, we can, at a minimum, take steps to make your house a less ideal target and keep your family safer. There is no magic wand. With all that said, I want to be realistic with you. What I am going to suggest is not going to make your house bulletproof. It will not stop a tank or military assault or prevent a fire. It will probably not stop several determined people who have the time to attack unopposed either. But it could give you just enough of an advantage that it could save your life and hopefully make them look for an easier target. What I plan to highlight are several considerations that you can implement that are relatively easy which can make it a little harder for people who want to get in and cause you harm or try and take what you have. This should offer some protection from the casual thief or looter, not necessarily the mutant zombie biker gang. I think it is also worth saying that if someone is intent on killing you or getting to you or your family, you have to consider what you are willing to do to stop them. 
I do not believe that it is realistic to expect bad people to simply go away because you talk sternly to them or get in touch with their pain they are feeling. If someone has made up their mind to get to you, the very least they will do is take what, what can either keep your family alive, like food, clothing, water, money, or safe, like security. If you are incredibly lucky, the only thing they will do is take your supplies. I don't think that it's realistic, though, and you may be in for a very horrible lesson if things get to that point. The lesson might end up costing you your life. We have talked about the use of deadly force in several other posts in various situations. I do believe that you owe it to yourself and your family to be mentally prepared to use deadly force in a situation like this if the need arises. If you have no plans to fight back, then you should be prepared to live or die with the consequences. I fully expect anyone in my family and probably most who are reading this blog to be open to, if not embracing the same belief. I never want to harm I don't I never want to have to harm anyone, but if you're in my house or property with intentions to harm my family, I will do what is necessary. Do I expect this is going to be easy or that it won't change me when it's over? No, but that is beside the point. I have sworn that I will do what is necessary to protect my family. That is one of the reasons I advocate carrying a concealed weapon. Because violence like this doesn't wait for a disaster. It can happen any day. So, now, we have the framework. Bad things have happened. You are forced to stay in your house and try to ride out the storm, so to speak. And people are or could be trying to get into your house or get at your family. If it comes to that, you are prepared to use deadly force if necessary to stop them. Step 1. Gathering Intelligence First things first, believe you even consider before sorry, before you even consider how you would begin the planning process of defending your home, it helps to know what is around you. By that I mean understanding what is in the area immediately surrounding your home and expanding outward from there. Further out, I recommend periodically conducting what I call the neighborhood recon to to familiarize yourself with what is going on in your neighborhood. I don't mean simply knowing your neighbors, although that is very important. What I mean is knowing how to get to your house by methods other than the surface roads. What are the landscape features that may help or work to your advantage? Knowing who has certain resources that may become targets will give you information that the looters who is driving through won't have. This can be as simple as taking walks through your neighborhood, but the key is to pay attention to details. Having area maps is another step you can take in planning defense and even exit strategies if the need arises. You can go online and order very detailed topographic, topographical maps from the USGS store. Knowing this information before you need it can show you paths of likely drift and avenues you can use to escape. Once you know what is around you, another prerequisite to any defensive strategy is intelligence. The first and perhaps most important piece of intelligence is knowing who is in the area. It is important to know as far in advance as possible when someone is headed to your position before they are actually at your door. For a lot of people, this would be difficult without a large group in training. If you live in an apartment complex, this article might not work for you. On the other hand, you may be able to use the other people in your apartment complex to form a network that can take turns watching activity and alerting anyone of an advancing threat. If you have a typical home, you do still have neighbors unless they are bugged out already. 
A security network would be even more advantageous in this situation, but I will discuss how that might be set up in another post. For this discussion, let's pretend you are mostly on your own. If we think about defense in rings around your home, whether where the first ring would be your home itself, going out from there would be your yard, and then going out from there may be two houses or 200 feet in either direction. These rings would indicate where you have different methods of identifying and stopping the threats. Ideally, you would want to know that someone is coming as early as possible so the outermost ring would demonstrate that distance. How would you be able to tell if someone was a few houses away and headed to your position or who, at a minimum, was worthy of additional scrutiny? Assuming again that you are on your own, that you don't have any squad of Marines or a checkpoint at your disposal, you would ultimately have optimally have a method of knowing what is going on all around your property. This usually re- requires in a position that is elevated so you can see over houses and bushes. Without having to have a guard tower installed, one option could be a tree climbing stand or my personal favorite, a kid's tree house. These can give you the ability to gain an advantage and see a large piece of the surrounding area. This may not be practical or possible, so your advance Notice will need to be adjusted to the the defensive ring that you can see. If you can only see your yard, then you greatly reduce the amount of head start notice you can have for this type of situation. It may also be that you must stay inside for quarantine or weather issues. A simple way to be alerted to approaching people is wireless motion detectors. Motion detectors outside can alert you to someone who shouldn't be there. Assuming that we are talking about a real crisis here, there is a high probability that the power won't be working. This is when having your own backup power would be extremely helpful, but there are other low-tech options you can deploy that work as well. If you have power and in motion detectors at the perimeter, you will have advanced warning of someone who is entering your yard. Using this, you can run to where the threat is coming from and address it on or at the very least be ready to address it when they reach your home. Dakota Alert has systems designed for this exact purpose. There are also small trip wire devices that will pull a pin that triggers a 22 blank cartridge. These can easily be set up provided you have a blank 22 shell and can all and can alert you audibly. You can set the wires up in the places that someone would most likely travel to. Uh, make it to your home, and when they go off, you would have advance warning that someone is approaching. There are other low-tech options too, like setting up a string of cans on the porch that can make noise once the line holding them has been disturbed, or crushing a light bulb so that you hear the glass break as someone walks on it. These are less ideal and probably work better in the movies and situations with complete darkness, but can work in some cases. The perfect system alerts you well in advance of when someone is near your home, but you do have to be able to hear it. Tomorrow we will talk about how you can prevent entry to your home and how to deal with attackers if they do make it inside. So again, uh, there's 12 comments here, uh, you know, from 12 uh, from 2013. So yeah, again, it's uh, you know just under four years old. So you can go check those out. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe some of you will, well, you know, there there is a May 15th, 2017 article. Um, 
I guess I didn't see that one when I uh, when I was scrolling down. Uh, I want to go back and read that one there in a little bit. But uh, you know, I, I really like this article and just kind of the way that Pat uh, is is laying it out there. Uh, the other, uh, just to kind of pique your interest a little bit, the other article um, to give you some of the the subheadings. Uh, step two: preventing access. Um, let me scroll down. Slowing access, reaction plan, plan for distractions, taking the high ground, make a backdoor escape, live to fight another day. So um, again, good article. You know, good article here. I, I'm going to link to part two so that you can go check that one out. And, you know, if this one has piqued your interest, you can go check that one out as well. So uh, good stuff there. Uh, like I said uh, earlier this week, you know, if if I get to a situation where I am stuck here and we're bugging in, uh, I'm going to immediately be, uh, you know, rallying my neighborhood as much as possible. And so, uh, you know, there's one aspect of being able to defend your home, but then when you have a group of people able to, you know, hold a neighborhood or hold a couple of uh, blocks, you know, and provide security that way. Uh, you know, that's that's really really powerful there. Um, another thing is that if you're always providing security, right, you're always being on the lookout. You're never able to. If you have a garden in your backyard, tend to the garden or to the chickens or whatever, uh, unless you have like, you know, a system like the Dakota system or you have some early warning systems to be able to notify you. Another thing that would be helpful is if you had a drone, um, you know, and you had a drone in a small solar uh, system uh, backup that you could, um, you know, with batteries and all that where you can charge the batteries, but you could send the drone up and, uh, you know, do a little bit of recon that way. Um, you know, drones are starting to get pretty, pretty, um, pretty uh, cheap there. Um, and they can fly for, you know, long distances. So my, uh, my, my dad has a neighbor who has one that uh, he just, this guy, I mean, he's, he's a techie guy, right? But dad said that, that this, that this uh, drone went straight up so high, so fast that he couldn't see it. It was so high up, in, uh, up there. And this one did have a video camera. So, uh, you know, he could see that it was looking down on him. But he could see the whole neighborhood and even more because he was so high. So, uh, you know, that's always that, that option uh, to go that way. All right. So that's it for episode 80. Um, if you get a chance, come by the website and uh, drop us a comment. Uh, and you know we always appreciate those and then uh, share we love it when people share out um, you know the podcast and um, you know send it to the episode send it to social media uh, and get it out there and let other people know about that um, if you get a chance go check out the prepper bundle as well uh, you know just just go check it out do yourself a favor go check it out and go look at the books that are in there the ebooks that you're you know that you would get and the e-courses that are available when you when you do that I'm going to be linking to that on the show notes and uh, you know remember that one dollar uh, of every bundle uh, that's sold goes to the to the Gary Sinise Foundation so they're hoping to raise a lot of money that way and that's not the first time uh, they've been doing other things uh, so the self-reliant school I know that they do other things for veterans and so uh, you know that's uh you know it's good to know that that's in the you know the back of your head all right uh, while they do that so hey get it i hope you have a chance this week to um 
get out there and enjoy the weekend. I'm going to be spending some time with dad uh, up at the hospital and, uh, you know, doing prepper website from, from the hospital and uh, those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, switching out with mom one night. But uh, so if, uh, if you do, uh, if, you, if you are a believer, appreciate your prayers and keep, uh, keep dad in, in prayer. And I know there's a lot of other people out there who need prayer as well. Uh, so anyway, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.